Welcome to another Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Chip Scoggins and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune from Lincoln Financial Field, where the Vikings just lost 24-7 to on Monday Night Football to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, basically, Chip, we were talking before the podcast, you said, uh, you said it well. The, this is basically the exact opposite of all the good feelings and all the warm, fuzzy feelings that Vikings fans must have had coming off of that Packers win. Uh, both sides of the ball looked to be uh, yeah, the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, it was um, – I don't think there was much redeeming about tonight other than maybe special teams. Watch the field goal. <laughs> special teams. It, it. It's amazing that as euphoric as they felt about their performance last week, I got to imagine this is equally deflating because the defense, uh, pass defense, couldn't stop anything. Um they had no real solid game plan for Jalen Hurts and his scrambling and passing. And then the offense started slow, and then uh, basically Cousins just sabotaged it with interceptions. Now the first one, Justin Jefferson took blame for that one. But um, three <clears throat> three interceptions in the second half when you had a chance to cut into a lead and make it close. So um, it's just a terrible night all the way around. Four of their five drives in the second half – ended in Eagles territory. None of those ended with points. So they had chances certainly to get back in that game. And that game was 24 to 7 at halftime and finished 24 to 7. I mean nobody scored any points in the second half. The Vikings had plenty of opportunities to score in the second half. So you put a lot of that on the offense, certainly Jefferson by his own admission on the first pick and and Cousins I think on the second two. I thought the route concept in the second one made it kind of an easy play for James Bradbury to, to play Jefferson's over route and then kind of sink underneath Thielen's. But then don't throw the ball there. And then on the last one, that just felt like a – I'm just throwing a pop fly hoping somebody comes down with it. Um, when you have those kinds of opportunities to get back in the game, that's a big concern. It's also a big concern that they had no answer for Jalen Hurts. The Eagles averaged like – Seven yards a play for the night. Um, so at 340-some yards in the first half, Hurts looking like an MVP candidate basically in the first half with the way he played. And and um, that's going to be a team I would think you're going to see if you want to be in this thing. I And we'll see how this goes. You can you can overreact to two-week assessments almost as much as you can overreact to first-week assessments. But I would think if Hurts plays like that, the Eagles are going to be in the mix. So that's going to be a team, especially in a fairly winnable division like the NFC East is, that's going to be a team that's going to be in the mix. If you are going to be in the mix yourselves, you may see them again, and you're going to have to be a lot better, especially because it's going to be coming back here. Going back to the Vikings offense, um, yeah, they couldn't even – an anemic seven points, couldn't get out of their own way, three and outs – um throughout to start it, it felt like a callback to you know was Clint Kubiak calling plays again for how often they were going just straight three and out I found it interesting that a week after Justin Jefferson goes for a career high 184 against the Packers defense unwilling to put its best defender in Jair Alexander on him the Eagles said okay we will do that with Darius Slay and it worked to perfection well that's the thing that, that stood out to me was how many third down pass breakups did they have three or four yeah. in the first half. Yeah, it was quite a few. They were aggressive. They contested uh, 
were physical with the wide receivers. And unlike the Packers, who looked lost and just let <laughs> Jefferson run free through uh, their secondary, the Eagles challenged them. Yep. And, and they had pass breakups. And um, Yes, listeners, we saw the grab that everybody yeah, that tweeted was fr- at us but about. But you know what? There's both sides. There were some weird calls. But um, And I don't know if that's a product of them having um, not a book – but a page of the book it's tape it's tape from one week and that's the thing going into the opener it was a mystery you didn't know how they're going to use the personnel what it was going to look like now teams saw and they adjusted to it and they said hey let's be physical and and, and challenge the wide receivers and so you had that and then i thought cousins we started to see the skittish cousins where he looked rattled in the pocket and you saw him just throw some wild throws not even the interceptions just got it out of his hands and so and then when they fall behind, they couldn't run the ball. It, the whole thing was just discombobulated. Yeah, yeah. It, it really never had much of a a flow to it. I mean, that it, it was just kind of a weird game, in, in the sense that they get behind early and really had quite a bit of success moving the ball. I, I thought early at least, and then they had the the drive at the beginning of the second half that ends with the pick. Um, but then you, the one drive they scored was a nice answer after they got down fourteen nothing. But then at the end of it, you get short fields a couple of times. You had every chance to get back in that game. I mean, and you'd have to trust your defense to go make a stop eventually. The Eagles probably get back on the gas if you start to score, but you at least have to finish those drives. I mean, the fact that they started that or ended that many drives in the red zone with zero points it just, it just can't happen. I mean, at least you have to come away with something. And, um, yeah, that's on just about everybody, I think. I mean, it's on Cousins. Kevin O'Connell said he needed to be better adjusting to what the Eagles were doing. Um, The Vikings offensive line, I thought, got beat a few times. Um, Jefferson talked about the route running. You had Irv Smith drop the long throw. There were a lot of mistakes, A a lot of drops, a lot of mistakes to go around. Yeah, and Ben, you just listed all the reasons why, you know, it wasn't necessarily just on Kirk for his three interception performance here, but we talked in the podcast leading up to this game about how comfortable he looked in the in the game against yes. Green Bay, thought, boy, that's a great start to the O'Connell regime. Can he carry this over? And we certainly just saw the exact opposite of that. Was there anything to the Kirk Cousins on primetime not good aspect to this or was this just typical streaky Kirk Cousins I mean I I don't know I mean I, I think it was a, a team that had a really good game plan for how to attack him now does it matter this at night or would 12 o'clock on Sunday I mean I, I don't know I, I just think um, they had a good game plan he did not play well he started to force things um, I think the drops probably contributed his frustration. Probably. You know, yeah. and so and it just kind of snowballed on him. So was it because it's Monday night? I, I don't know. I mean, but I, I think it's more just a combination of his poor play, poor play around him, and not a really good game plan. And it, it, it just all snowballed and, that's, you know, contributed to what you saw. Yeah, I mean, his his career record on Monday night now, I think it's 2-10. and ten. Uh, He had won the last two before tonight. Uh, and obviously had lost the first nine before it wins at Soldier Field the last two years to get to two and nine instead of zero and nine. Now it's a two and ten. I think his career record on Sunday nights is is right around five hundred, which is you know what he's been 
for the better, well, for really all of his career. Um, so I don't know. The Monday night thing gets tossed around a lot. I don't know why it would fundamentally be that different. I mean, if you're playing Sunday night, you're going to have that same sense of everybody's watching. There's jitters. I mean, Monday night, you have to wait around another day. Uh, it does feel like a long time, but that shouldn't – I I don't know. It's one of those things that has become so attached to him that it's uh, it's part of the narrative and it's not going to go away, and he knows that until you win enough to, to make it go away. But, yeah, I mean, I, I did think he looked – you saw some of those ones in the second half where he looked a little rattled for whatever reason. I didn't think he looked that way in the first half as much. So maybe some of that is frustration and you're trying to force. But, um, yeah, I mean, either way, it, 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 the thing we run into with him is it's always um, the question of was he their biggest problem kind of misses the point. The, the thing with a quarterback has to be, especially if you want to be elite, it's – in the, I remember I used to have people make this point as far back as Christian Ponder. Well, he's not their biggest problem. That is not what you pay a quarterback to do. You pay a quarterback to cover up all of the other problems. And if you're going to pay a quarterback a lot of money, you need to have nights where, hey, not everything is working, but our guy is dealing, and we can overcome because of that. It reminds me of when Quasey was asked at the Combine about how he views um – positional value you know how, how do you assign positional value or how do you view what positions are more important than others and he said i view it as um how many people in our organization can a player save from his given position yeah and quarterbacks can save a heck of a lot of people yes, uh, they can. and all 10 on his side of the ball in any given play depending on what happens and we saw jalen hurts save a lot of eagles just by running around out there and doing what he does. He ran for a 26-yard touchdown. He ran for a short yardage touchdown. He threw for 300-plus yards. Um, at one point, I was looking up uh, what was the NFL record, the the franchise record for how many yards have been put up by a quarterback on the Vikings before. Uh, I was reminded of the great Jared Goff game. Ah, yes. Under <laughs> Mike Zimmer back in 2018, 2018 at the Rams. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Jalen Hurts just looked phenomenal and he looked great against the Lions as well. Um, but I also think the Vikings helped him a bit by seemingly looking out of sorts on how to corral him when it came to that mobility. Well, his mobility, but also (laughs) I thought the Vikings secondary looked a lot like the Packers last weekend where there were really soft, soft coverages. The Eagles, uh, receivers found him. The Eagles receivers obviously are better than what the Packers had last week. You had the bust by Cam Bynum where he comes running up and Watkins just runs right by him. I don't know what happened there, but that's that's a you know an easy pitch and catch. Um, the fake, everybody goes on it. Harrison Smith gets pushed down the uh, field. Two guys um, miss chance at tackles. So it was just it was too soft. There was just not enough contest. Uh, they didn't have to work hard for it. It didn't seem like, and 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 I don't want to take anything away from Hurts because um, I wasn't sure how good he was. I wasn't either. That was why looked, part of looked, the reason I picked the Vikings to win this he game. He looked pretty darn good yeah, tonight. He, he looked he sure did. in complete control of that game, it, particularly in the first half when the, when the game was decided. I thought, but um, yeah, it was just a, it was a especially coming off last week, and I know they're at home and emotion and the pass rush really bothered Rodgers, but. 
they didn't um, – the Eagles dictated everything about that. And it, it was just – the response was weird, I thought. I asked Daniil Hunter a little bit after the game about the, the, the touchdown, the longer one that Hurts had. Because he kind of – he bit pretty hard on the on the read fake there to, to hand off to Miles Sanders that he's the backside defender. He's the guy that's getting red. And then Hurts obviously pulls the ball down and takes off. And he said, yeah, I mean, that's – you know he's going to take off and run, but you can't really – you can't come in tentative because – if you do that, you're going to open yourself up to other mistakes and just get tired chasing him around all night if you can't bring him down. He said on that play, we needed to take the tight end out of the play, and we weren't able to do that. I mean, that's the one where you saw Dallas Goddard push Harrison Smith down the field and basically work as an escort for Jalen Hurts. So he basically said it, it was a lot of mistakes all around, but Hurts, his athletic ability, when you make a mistake, he can make you pay. And, and, on that one, he carries a couple guys. He fakes a couple guys out, carries guys into the end zone. The first one, fake Cam Bynum out, and I think carried Jordan Hicks into the end zone. Um, it, that ability to be that dynamic I thought was awfully impressive. It was interesting that we saw in the Vikings secondary, You know, not very many people played well at all in the Vikings secondary, but we saw um, Cam Dantzler get pulled for a Caleb Evans, a fourth-round rookie uh, who was the first man up because Andrew Booth was out with a quad injury, the second-round rookie, in this game. And there was no reason given for why Dancer was pulled. There was no injury reason given. But it was after that deep touchdown in which Cam Bynum was one of the closest players there as well. And uh, Kevin O'Connell made it seem like it was on the safety on yeah. O'Connell by saying the safety got pinned down on that point. Yeah, they got our quarters safety I think it was how But we didn't it. see Lewis Seen get put in the game for Bynum. We saw no. Caleb Evans get put in for Dantzler, which was just interesting following that play. Yeah, I mean, that one, it looked like, because they, they basically, Goddard ran an out route, and it looked like both Dantzler and Bynum thought that was their responsibility, based on the fact that I think Goddard and uh, Quez Watkins, who caught the touchdown pass, kind of crossed over. So my guess is the coverage rules are something about who's the number two receiver, who's the number one, um, and, well, maybe even be number two and number three because there was another shallow out route, I think, from Devonta Smith on that play as well. So my guess is their coverage rules. Somebody got confused about this is supposed to be my guy based on how they switched, uh, and this is supposed to be your guy. So whether that was Dantzler or that was Bynum, it's a little – I mean, O'Connell made it sound after the game like it was more on Bynum. But, yeah, to your point, Andrew – they didn't pull Bynum. They pulled Dantzler, and Dantzler had the uh, the illegal contact, which looked like a little bit of a ticky. He had two thing. nice plays before that. He did. Yeah, yeah he had and a, then a, a play after the, that. I thought yeah. the breakup yeah, the was breakup, yeah. a heck of a play. You know, but it, but this does speak to what we say going into the season. There's questions with that yep. secondary. Yep, and there sure are. We didn't see him pop up in the in the opener because I thought the pass rush, the energy was there, and, and they play better but you know we haven't seen a lot of buying him we didn't see a lot of him last year to know what he is cam dancer you're expecting they're anticipating that he's gonna make a big jump yep. we don't know that um you know i mean harrison had a smith had a nice first game but you know he suffered a concussion here and he had um, some uh, tough moments and so pat peterson had kind of a rough rough start here so that mean that was the big question was how was their secondary going to hold up? And after one game, you thought, okay, the, the blueprint, if they can get the pass rush going, makes sense. But if, if they don't affect the quarterback and you have a quarterback that's mobile like that, 
now all of a sudden that secondary gets exposed. And go back on that touchdown. It'll be easier to see if you have NFL Plus and the All-22 comes out because we could see it really well in the stadium. And you can kind of see it on one of the angles of the replay, but go back and watch Patrick Peterson on that long touchdown. Before that ball is caught, basically as soon as it's in the air, he has his hands up in the air like, what the are we doing? And he's like, he starts with his hands up, and then he basically starts jumping up and down like he knew we screwed this up. So that, I mean, you've seen him at times, I think a lot of times on his own podcast. Last year he was the one that kind of told everybody, here's where the bust was on the touchdown that lost the game against the Lions. And he did not make much secret of that there was a big problem on the other side of the field. So that type of stuff, when it's in the middle of the play, and the ball hadn't even been caught yet, and he's just like, oh, boy, we're screwed. Um, that, I thought, was pretty telling from a guy that's been in eight Pro Bowls and knows what it looks like when it's done right and uh, could tell pretty quickly that we blew it on this one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what exactly he said, but after the game he said, I knew that play was coming. He said after the snap, I knew that route was coming. I think he's he was saying that based on uh, the way that the Eagles had tried to attack a certain coverage that they yeah. were in at that moment, at that down and distance at that time, um, and that got, that got by them. Um, Chip, to your point, too, about the mobile quarterback, I mean, the best part about this defense is clearly Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. We saw them get after Jalen Hurts a little bit in this game, too, but when you have a mobile quarterback that can just – basically diffuse the strength of your defense and then that very young mixed with you know very veteran secondary can kind of get picked apart a little bit like it did with some very good skill players that the Eagles have um, when you looked around what happened in the NFC this weekend it's hard not to put the Eagles right up there with yeah. the Buccaneers or some of these other teams that stand out in the NFC yeah I mean obviously they've improved dramatically at wide receiver Yes, <laughs> they have yeah. some. They have some uh, uh, considerable skill there, and I wasn't sure about their defense. Um, they were impressive tonight in yeah. terms of uh, making plays when they were there. And Darius and, Slay and was Darius Slay was yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I going into the season, I was kind of curious, like, why are they getting this buzz about being a playoff team? But um, they looked the part tonight. I just, I mean, I know it's. You know, only one game and they're at home, but they they looked um, they look legit. Yeah, I mean, I th I think a lot of it, the tension of but between people that were high on them and people being like, I don't get it, yeah. is Jalen Hurts, and that's kind of I think Chip, you and I both said it that we were both kind of like, ah, I I don't know, I'm not sure I buy him, and he, I mean, you saw in the Lions game last week when he gets pressured, he's he struggles, but. He didn't get pressured probably enough tonight for that to kind of become a consistent theme. And uh, he certainly had his way tonight other than the throw that Jordan Hicks picked off. But um, if he is that good consistently, then yes, they are 100% a contender in the NFC. Well, if Jalen Hurts struggles at all for any duration of time, the Eagles fans will let him hear it because the Eagles fans let – uh, a lot of people here at tonight. Boy, oh boy! I, I enjoyed the uh, every time the relentlessness that they had at the link here, relentlessly booing Jalen Rager every time he touched <laughs> the ball, because uh, it didn't matter. If Todd it was Bertuzzi treatment. A punt return. It didn't matter if it was a seven-yard catch like he had in the fourth quarter. Every time he caught the ball, they were ready to boo him, and Jalen Rager had no interest in discussing it after the game and saying that uh, no, it was not hard for me to block it out. 
He says, quote, I had a lot of experience blocking it out. (laughs) (laughs) So whether it was that or the mocking fake skull clap that the Eagles fans were doing to mock the Vikings fans and and their team. That's a throwback from 2017. Um, They turned it into foals. Yeah, I guess what did you guys think of this uh, turn at the link and and your uh, this experience with the Eagles fans? Well, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't as weird or dramatic as previous times. I, I still have <laughs> championship game? I still have nightmares about the uh, tsunami that never came, uh, the oh, blizzard of uh, 2010 that I had to go buy underwear because I didn't pack enough when they. I come here on a Saturday and yeah. I play on Tuesday and I don't have enough clothes uh, for a blizzard that never happened. Um, and then obviously the championship game that just got out of control in the stands with the treatment of Vikings fans. And I, I did find it ironic or not ironic, but um, telling. I didn't see a lot of purple here. Tonight. I didn't either. And I think fans just realized it's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the, the safe, the risk of your, you know, your safety, which is unfortunate. But I think it was such a bad experience for so many fans the last time they were here that they just said, we'll stay home and watch this one on TV. Or you keep your purple under wraps, I yeah. guess. <laughs> wear, a, wear a coat over yeah, it. Yeah, wear neutral colors or <laughs> like, something. I don't know why you'd wear a coat. It was 85 degrees today, but yeah, yeah, wear neutral colors. Just don't don't put out the fact that uh, you're cheering for the other team. There were some brave souls wearing some Tarkenton jerseys and some uh, a few smatterings of purple, but not a whole lot. Um, well, the Vikings will go back to U.S. Bank Stadium next week against the Detroit Lions, and we will be there on Wednesday on a short week to preview that game coming up. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com. You know, do what my, my wife tries to tell me sometimes and say less, so I'll say less. <laughs>